Chapter Sixteen of the Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Sixteen, Dirt. I suppose that next to the Scotch, the Irish are out now the dirtiest people on the earth. But whereas Scotch dirt is a crude and gross affair, Irish dirt has still a pathetic and almost tender grace about it dear dirty dublin sigh the emotional in such matters though you never catch anybody shedding a tear for remembrance of dear filthy glasgow dublin is indubitably a dirty city just as ireland is a dirty country and for irishmen at any rate the government is a dirty government and it is not because dublin or ireland is dirty of necessity or in the way that the black country or the east end of london are dirty not a bit of it dublin and ireland are dirty simply and solely because the dublin and irish people steadfastly refuse to keep them clean to all intents and purposes the irish people have lost if indeed they ever possessed that gift of punctilious domesticity which insists first and last and always on cleanliness in dublin you will come upon more dirty hotels and more dirty houses than in pretty well any other city of its size in europe true the dirt has the merit of not being too obvious and falling short of the scandalous but it is still there and you cannot get away from it properly looked into it recommends itself to you as the dirt of a happy-go-lucky neglectful behind-hand and poverty-stricken people rather than of a people who are flagrantly given over to dirt for its own sake it is the dirt of the slattern who is forever dusting things with her apron rather than of the stout idle-back for whom dust and grime and sloppiness have no terrors and no reproach it is a dirt which is the direct consequence of bad seasons the decay of trade monetary stringency and public and private listlessness and apathy it is the kind of dirt which one associates with the boarding-houses of elderly ladies who have seen better days ireland's better days have been few and far between and they would seem to be all past hence no doubt the dustiness and dinginess and shabby gentility of her parlours in an irish hotel dirt and its common concomitant tumble-downness are ever before you the floors clamour to be swept the furniture would give a day of its life for a polishing the wallpapers are faded and fly-blown there are cobwebs in the top corners and dust in the bottom corners the windows are rickety and perfunctorily cleaned the carpets infirm and old the linen worn and yellow with age the crockery cracked and chipped the cutlery dull and greasy and the general air of the place shabby and forlorn i do not say that there are no cleanly and spick and span hotels in dublin for there is at least one such establishment but in the main what one may term the semi-clean semi-dirty used-to-be kind of hotel prevails even the waiters though their hair be greased and their faces shine by virtue of vigorous applications of soap wear frayed and threadbare swallowtails 
and a sort of perennial yesterday's shirt-front and what is true of the hotels is true of the houses there is a district between sackville street and the railway station which contains a very large number of the somberest most forbidding and dirtiest-looking domiciles it has ever been my lot to come across formerly these houses were the homes of the easy and the well-to-do now they are let off in tenements to the poorest of the poor black and grinding poverty peeps out of the cracked and paper-patched windows of them groups of grubby bare-legged blue-cold children huddle around their decrepit doors or scamper up and down the filthy pavements in front of them the places may be sanitary enough within the meaning of the acts but that they are filthy and foul to a nauseating degree no person can doubt such rookeries would be clean swept away by the authorities in any english city in dublin nobody seems to trouble about them or to be in the smallest sense disturbed by them they are a part and parcel of dear dirty dublin and haply dublin would not be dublin without them in the other irish cities and towns the same tendency to squalor and grime and filth is painfully noticeable even in a centre like porta down which be it noted is protestant and to a great extent new the same undesirable traits assail you pretty well wherever you go in a city set on a hill without a factory to its name i found a blackness and a grime which reminded me of nothing so much as gravesend or stockport the hotel in that same city was as crazy as it was chilly and comfortless hokey rooms and dark little passages meagre and dubious furnishings and dirt 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 from basement to attic yet the place seemed populous with cleaner wenches floor scrubbers and clout women there was a boy in a green apron who appeared to do nothing all day but dust the banisters and the waiters were eternally flicking the dust off things with their napkins and such waiters wall-eyed heated fumbling grumpy and incompetent they insisted on getting in one another's way and they had a gift of dilatoriness that amounted to genius in this way let me set down a small fact about the irish waiter which may perhaps save future travellers in ireland some trouble if you ask an english waiter for a timetable he will bring it to you and leave you to your own devices if you ask an irish waiter he will say timetable yes sir where will you be after going sir you are taken unawares and quite foolishly tell him the name of the next town on your itinerary forthwith he informs you that there is a very good hotel there be the name of the duke's head and that the next train convenient goes at one thirty is it a quick train oh yes will he see that your luggage is taken to the station in time to catch it certainly he will you keep your mind easy and turn up at the station at one thirty there is a train at one thirty it is true but unluckily for you it does not go within a hundred miles of your place of destination the train you ought to have caught went at ten thirty and there is not another one till late at night 
while if it be saturday you must wait till monday morning because there are practically no sunday trains in ireland do not imagine for a moment that your irish waiter has misinformed you with malice aforethought or out of a desire to lengthen your sojourn in his employer's hotel because this is not the case he is merely an irishman and therefore a born blunderer and he does his best to blunder every time end of chapter sixteen recording by john brandon